Wouldn't it be great if there were a pocket-sized guide that could help you sleep, focus, act, or be better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. I know because it's definitely helped me too. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is the only meditation app advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. If you're overwhelmed, Headspace has three-minute SOS meditations for you. Need some help falling asleep? They can help you with wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has stuff that you could do with your kids too. And their approach to mindfulness can help you reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Like I said, I use Headspace as well. I used to use it back in the day, then I got off of it for a while to use another tool. But then, honestly, I came back to it, and it's even better. The voicing, the meditation, it definitely, even just with five minutes a day, it really changes everything for me. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Incredible. So you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash SPI. That's headspace.com slash SPI for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash SPI today. This is the Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 71. Hands more, much more than this. I did it my Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, he drinks bulletproof coffee every day, Pat Flynn. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? This is Pat Flynn, and welcome to session 71 of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. I am super stoked that you're here. We have a great show today with an amazing guest with an incredible story. Um, he's He's gone through a ton of ups and, and, and probably even more downs, as he would say. Um, but, you know, there's so much to learn from his story, and I'm going to talk about him in, in just a sec. But first of all, I just want to say thank you. Uh, wherever you're at, if you're at the gym, uh, you know, just just do a couple more reps for me. If you're on a run, um, you know, push push hard for me, but don't don't overdo it. Um, if you're on a walk, just enjoy where you're at right now. And if you're at work, wherever, just just thank you so much for for what you're doing um, and taking time out of your day to listen to me and listen to my guest who I have on the show, who uh, is actually highly requested, and um, I'm really glad to have him and feature him on the show today. He has a really interesting story, um, an amazing career so far, actually, with a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, in 2005, he joined Facebook as employee, employee number 30. And actually, he was he's credited with pioneering the the Facebook status update which we are you know I know a lot of us use and also it's mobile app um, and then he went over to mint and then he went over to a bunch of other places and he's going to talk about each of these and sort of what he's learned from each of them um, how much money he made and also how much money he lost and all the lessons along the way I mean there's there's a lot of interesting things here especially from someone who's sort of 
been a part of and uh, has started with the, the startup world. Um, and, and even though a lot of us are, you know, in internet business and blogging, which isn't necessarily the startup world, there's a lot of things we can learn from sort of his, his experiences. This is no other than Noah Kagan, who is now the founder of AppSumo.com, which is sort of a, a product bundle daily deal site for, for web applications. It's very popular in the startup world. So, you know, we got a lot of stuff to cover. You're going to a lot of you're going to learn a lot of amazing sort of interesting things, and and I think you're going to be inspired by this, um, but also take away a lot of things that you can um, take action with. Uh, at the end, we we do a lot of sort of you know Noah like when he came to me, he's like, I want this to be the best episode that you've had so far, and you know there's a lot of competition. There's there's seventy other episodes to compete with. Um, and I think I think this is up to the challenge. So hopefully it provides. I would love to hear what you think on the comment section. If you go to smartpassiveincome.com slash session seventy one, that'll redirect you to the show notes and also to where you can leave comments uh, for Noah and just for whatever reason, you know, I'd love to know what you you would feel. And Noah does present a little challenge to you at the end of this episode that you can sort of act on if, if you choose with a little bit of a uh, of a giveaway as well. So um, you know, without further ado. Here's Noah Kagan. All right, what's up, Noah? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. Thanks, you, uh, thank you for coming on. Pat Flynn in the house. What's up, brother? <laughs> Not much, man. Uh, you know, this we've rescheduled this like three or four times, so I appreciate your flexibility, and I am really excited for this interview because I know you have some amazing stories to tell and experiences. A lot of people out there might not know that you are the man behind AppSumo.com. Um, but before we talk about AppSumo, just kind of bring us back in time to when this all first started for you, when you first got online and how you got to this point. <laughs> how, how real am I allowed to be? Am I allowed to use like swear words? I don't, I'm not really sure about your audience. Uh, well, I have a lot of kids in the audience and uh, I want them to listen to all the great content too and I, I don't want their parents <laughs> to shut it off. So if you could keep the swearing down to like fudge. PG-15? Let's just get right to the meat. So it started all with uh, like AOL chat rooms. And, you know, I grew up about two miles from Apple in Cupertino, California. And I was just, I saw these computers and I saw AOL and I started downloading pictures. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And so I kind of was just really excited that I can play on the computer and like have access to people over the world. And, and that's when, you know, internet for me. Uh, in terms of business stuff, I started just making goofy stuff in, in college. Uh, I did a lot of like the typical college businesses. Like I created the largest book exchange at UC Berkeley uh, I did a college Craigslist called collegeup.org, which sucked. No one used it. So we ended up turning it into like a hot or not, and then still no one used it. <laughs> um, and just like a lot of goofy businesses that, uh, that kind of started uh, back in the day, mostly in college. How did you decide to do those? Like they, they were just random ideas and you knew how to code or something? So I've always been kind of torn. Like I went to Berkeley for computer science, and after two years of doing it, I realized I was not smart enough. And I feel like some business people haven't recognized that yet. You, you notice a lot of people saying, oh, I, I need to learn how to code. And they really just need to embrace who they actually are and, and realize, like, let other people go do that. Mm-hmm. So I think I just wanted to see that stuff exist in the world. You know, like the, the bookstore, and this is one of the key things that I've realized for me in terms of what's made me really successful, is you got to do the things that you want. And I studied a lot of your other interviews to try to figure out what people are really curious about or where they're struggling. And... What makes things hard is when you start doing businesses that you don't know about, when you have to go do research. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I really would love to sell my books, and it's a common problem, so why don't we create a website that we can, that'll make it easier? And that was really, a, it was called comegetused.com. I don't even know if it's still online, actually. Let me check. Come get uh, used, it, as in used books. 
yeah, come get used. Actually, it's offline now, finally, 11 years. <laughs> um, but yeah, come get used.com. And so we started with that, and it was more I wanted to use it. And then I used it, and it actually worked. And I think we got like 15,000 people and 25,000 books wow. uh, over that. And then what was the business then, model for that? There was none. It was just I wanted it. And so we just made it. Thought it'd be kind of interesting to do. Uh, the one that was the business model was right after this called Ninja Card. Uh, I haven't talked about these in a while. It was a student discount card. And I, you know what's funny is like when I say it, I'm, I'm, I like make fun of myself. I'm like, oh, it's just a typical college business. But I think what, what really separates a lot of winners versus losers is doing something. Right. For sure. Right. How many people, oh, that was my idea. Oh, boo hoo. It's like, you know what? They did it. Yeah. Uh, so the Ninja card was just another you know, college student discount card. So I went door to door selling all the businesses, got the card, made a website. And I think we did about $50,000 in one year, uh, which is really amazing. And then uh, we lost it all next year when the, the college newspaper gave away the card for free. Huh. This was at Berkeley still? It is, yeah. We sold it for 10 bucks. So we sold, I think, what, like 5,000 of them. And then the next year, the, car, the, the school newspaper just was like, all right, we have the same exact deals and it's completely free. Um, so that was um, it was a good learning though. It was really good learning. I think if people are starting out, just go do things, and you be shocked at how much you learn. So what did um, you learn from that? From from uh, the school actually doing pretty much exactly what you did? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think one of the key things was how to sell. Right, selling is one of the hardest things to learn. And through you know, we're teaching people at AppSumo. We've created a course, and we can talk about that. But people sure. really suck at selling. Uh, secondly, local businesses suck. Those people are mostly old school. They don't want to change. They want to do it their way. So I didn't really want to work with them. And it was hard to work with them. Third, um, referrals is really helpful. And that's kind of a cliche thing. But what we did was we gave the cards to student groups. Mm-hmm. And the student groups went and sold it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. right? So maybe I can get customers to sell for us. Um, so those are some of the, the bigger breakthroughs that I had. And I think, I think one of the things that I've kind of adapted from that experience and in general is like trying to understand why things are working or not. Mm-hmm. Right, so like, what can I learn? All right, well, maybe the, you need to think about. All right, if these guys are coming up with something free, how could I have done that differently the next year? And then, so the next time you do it, it actually is improved. Most people just kind of say, "Hey, this sucks," and they don't actually spend literally like a minute to think about what can I learn from this experience. I had a huge failure uh, yesterday morning where I almost cried, and I can share that with you a little bit at the end. We'll keep them uh, in suspense. All right, I'm writing a note right now. that says Noah cried. <laughs> oh God, how many people have cried on your show? Uh, cried on my show? I don't. Yeah. I don't know. A very. I don't think anybody's cried on my show. I may try to do that. I may try to get there, Pat. <laughs> well, I. I want you to be happy uh, during the interview, but you oh, know, you can, you can cry and be happy. I, I'm. I'm more joking, uh, but that, it was that's definitely. True. Um, that's something I definitely want to talk about with failure. It's been really shocking to me. Yeah. Well, one of the things I learned about you recently is that you went through through you know not just failures with this ninja card thing, but but sort of massive failures um, with lots of money involved. Can you talk about some of those things? I mean, there's a lot to choose from. You know, what's, what's interesting is when you hear my bio, you're like 30 at Facebook, 4 at Mint, two multi-million dollar businesses. And it, you know, that's kind of the high level. But if you look in some of the details, I've literally had the opportunity four times where I had it. I had it, a million dollar like, cash that I was going to receive, and I lost it. Um, so, you know, Facebook, and I'll just tell you which ones exactly, Okay. you know, at Facebook, it was my life. It was everything. I worked directly for Zuckerberg. Um, it was before my girlfriend, I literally like, I'd wake up at 11, go work all day. I live with six other guys that work there and then we'd go start all over. And I did that seven days a week and it was the most fun I've, you know, ever had working. Um, and then one day I came to the office and I said, Hey, let's go get coffee. And they took me out of the office, walked me to this cafe and 
Matt Kohler, who's now a pretty big deal, and he works at Benchmark as a partner. I was like, oh, that's weird that Matt's here. And they sat me down and looked me in the eye, and I, I knew it. Like, I even kind of feel weird just saying it, but I knew that uh, I, got, I was getting fired. And I said it, I'm like, are you guys firing me? I'm like, yeah, today's your last day. And so I didn't get the equity that I was supposed to get. What were you doing with them, and, and why do you think you got fired? I was hired as a product manager. I was doing Intel work. You know, I worked at Intel, which sucks. Um, and I was going to go start my own business, and I sent in my resume, and I became a product manager. And so what that means in traditional companies is you help write spec, uh, like specifications for the developers. Mm-hmm. Um, and at Facebook, the developers are amazing. They're literally the smartest people I ever worked around. And that's when you know you're at a good company, when you are looking around and being like, I am stupid, because that's when you're actually going to grow and learn the most. And so when I started there, I was number 30, and it was awesome because there was all this crazy stuff to do. Like I came up with Facebook status update, which is now the biggest thing, now also Twitter. Um, I came up with this, a lot of different things. But you know, my experience was just making crappy websites at Berkeley. I wasn't able to grow with them from 30 to 150 to the 2,000, 5,000 people they have. So it took me about a year of depression. And then now, you know, I don't know how many years later it has been now, six years. Um, but I finally you know, realized that was a great decision for them. And it's something that I've had to go through as I've run my own businesses is that the people that are there in the beginning may or may not be able to help you grow uh, as you're growing your business. So that was you working for somebody else. When did you start stuff on your own after this Facebook stuff? So right after Facebook, I really wanted to have a conference talking about social networking. And so a conference, I, like, a, like an event. Yeah, yeah, like a wedding planner. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, and, you know, honestly, I didn't, it wasn't to make money. It wasn't to be a business. Uh, it was called communitynext.com. And I literally was just like, all right, I've never done a conference. I've never been to a conference, but how would I, what kind of conference would I want to go to? Right. And well, so, so, what, so you just found like a hole in the market. Like there was a need for a really good conference and you were the one to fill it. Yeah. I didn't really do a lot of research. It was just more of like, man, it'd be really fun if I could do that. And then I just started doing it. Right. So that's one of the, the things I try to encourage people. It's like, what can you do today? What can you do and pause Pat Flynn's podcast and make it happen right now? But so many people are just, wanting to listen. And, and that bothers me. I don't, I don't like that at all. I realize that like through therapy, which I, I'm happy to share with, with your audience, like I respect people who respect themselves and go do things. Sure. So with the conference, you know, I, I wanted to have funny speakers. So I got you know, plentyoffish.com. I got Suicide Girls. I got Hot or Not. I got Max Levchin who founded PayPal. Um, you know, I wanted to have parties because I thought it'd be more fun to meet people that way. So we had free open bars uh, the night before and the night after. I wanted Hawaiian food. I wanted Red Bull all day. And it was literally, it was just like, wow, what do I want to, what kind of conference do I want to go to? And, uh, you know, at the end of it, I didn't, wasn't trying to be a business, but it ended up making about 50,000 in profit. Wow. And and yeah, for like a month of work, month and a half of work, I was like, okay, that's an opportunity. Uh, And so I went on to put about four more other conferences um, over the next year, give or take. And uh, yeah, they did well. But, you know, eventually I was like, wow, I really don't want to be a, I was called a networker. And so one, you know, I'll give a tip for your audience. If you're ever trying to meet people, put on events. And, well, I don't want to put on a conference. Don't put on a conference then. Put on a dinner. Put on a happy hour. Put on a fun activity. Like, hey, let's all go bowling and bring together people. The more that you become the hub, the more people think you're smart and they want to get to know you. Instead of just like, hey, let me just pick your brain and take you out for coffee. Just be the connecting around that. And that was kind of really shocking through doing those events. Yeah, that's actually a really great tip. And I know I've experienced the same thing when I get people together in meetups whenever I go speak, just amazing things happen. And because it's sort of my meetup or a meetup that I've done with somebody else, um, you know, everybody talks about us. They sh- they share pictures and it's like, you know, Pat and whoever's thing. And um, yeah, it definitely puts you at the center of the spotlight. 
Yeah, it was amazing. It was really, you know, a quick story about that is I went to two dinner parties. One of them, it was all about the main guy there. And it wasn't that fun, right? And it was all about having him, him having a good time. And the second one was about everyone else having a good time. And I noticed that I really liked the second guy better. I was like, wow, I really like him so much. And it was because he was so focused on making sure everyone else did well that it then came back to him. And I think there's a good lesson in that about, you know, if you're trying to help other people out and you give and give and give, eventually, you know, if you do it with good intentions, it will come back. Yeah, that's a great. And, and again, going back to what you said earlier about make an event yourself, not necessarily a conference, because I mean, you know as much as anyone how uh, much work that uh, is involved with that. But I mean, you did it. You did a great job. You made fifty thousand dollars in profit. But even just like you said, a dinner or a meetup, and you know, just going through your social network already, and just say, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm inviting people over. I'm going to treat you all out. Good things I, can happen. Do you know what you're? What you actually triggered? Um, I was listening to you, Pat, and I think most people don't listen very well, is it's all around you. A lot of people, when they're starting businesses and they want their passive income or active income, like they're looking to all these external things, so it's, it's harder for them to recognize failure. But if they actually looked at their network, if they looked on Facebook and said, hey, I want to sell something to women, how many women friends do I have on Facebook? How many do I have on LinkedIn? How many do I have in terms of my family or my coworkers? Like the customers are all around, but somehow it's just easier for people to ignore that and look for other people. So that's, that's kind of been shocking. You know, we, we made this product, how to make your first dollar.com. And uh, <laughs> it was just shocking that everyone wants to make it harder on themselves. Or maybe they just don't recognize that. How to make your first dollar.com. And, then, you know, I've, I've gone a little bit through that course. Um, and I think it's really cool in an interesting way that you're getting people to take action. Talk about it. I mean, we'll, we'll. We can get there. Okay. We can get there. Okay. Um, going back to what something you said earlier that kind of was like, whoa. You said when you're putting on the conference, you just didn't do any research. You just you just did it. Would you recommend that for everybody? Like, screw the research. Let's just put something on. For sure, I would hundred percent. And what what needs to happen? And here's the here's the problem that everyone misses when they're starting a business. There's there's two fundamental things. One is validation. So I'll just I'll say it again: validation. And validation is that you know that three people want to give you money for your idea, or ten people will get on an email list for you. For when your product or business comes out. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, it's totem pole. What is the hell is a totem pole? It's a pole. And it's how <laughs> important are you to people or your potential customers to be more specific. So as an example, think of it this. So for me, on my totem pole, tacos are very high. So if you have very high quality tacos, I will pay a lot. But, t- but I will not pay a lot for you to tie my shoes. I might do it once because it's kind of funny. But in general, I would not be paying a lot for that. And so what most people miss is they miss that they're not doing things high in the totem pole. That's why their marketing is hard. That's why their business isn't growing as well. And then secondly, they need to validate that people actually want this. So with that conference, I probably would have done it differently now. But then I just said, I really want this. And I generally think if there's me that wants it, there's going to be other people out there. And so I did actually, you, you can share the link. I actually updated this with my budget and everything I did about how exactly I, I got that conference to work. Um, that'll just literally show you what to do. So you don't have to listen to this. Just go copy everything I did and I include the, the budget, which was one of the key things that helped me. Sure. Do you have a link for that? or I do. Put it in the show notes? Or? Yeah, you should definitely. Okay, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, I don't know what it is right now, but for those of you listening, you'll, you'll hear the link. Yeah, the it's, on my, it's on okdork.com um, and it'll be in the show notes. Okay, so you said you probably would have done the conference a little bit differently now. How would you approach it if you were going to do the same <sighs> thing now? Pat, you're not going to let me go, are you? I like you. Dude, I, I try to go deep, man. Yeah, we're gonna go deep, brother. So, I, I, again, so let me actually let let's make it real. So, I've been interested in doing a self conference. Self conference. Yeah, 
And a lot of times I think we're, we're kind of looking for ideas and we actually know them or they're a lot easier for us. And so I noticed that a lot of things lately in my life I'm looking to improve. So my health, my clothing, my interior design, some on business, but my, the overall self in different facets. Got it. And so I was thinking, man, it'd be really cool to put on a conference for myself, right? And it's called the self-conference. And so if you're trying to validate it, you know, I can put it back on you or I can just tell people. But let, let's pause for a second. How would you validate that people wanted to come to a self-conference? So let's just let's just pause. Okay. Because I want them to think. So if you had to validate and get three people to pay you to know that want to come to the conference, what and what would you do today? The listener, this is you. What would you do today? And don't say, oh, well, you're Noah, you have a network. Don't worry about me. Right? Think about that for yourself. It's a good challenge. So what I would do, Pat, is I would go try to see can I sell three tickets to this conference today? The conference that doesn't exist yet. It doesn't even exist. And you have to be upfront and you have to be honest. Like mm-hmm. you don't say, hey, give me this, the conference. Blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, psych, I was just kidding, Microsoft. <laughs> right? What you do say is like, hey, I'm going to put on this conference. I want to make sure that there's people interested in it. I'm going to give you the best price before it's available. I need to see if you're willing to pay. Here are some of the speakers I'm thinking of. Not who's coming, but who I'm thinking of. And if you can't even get three people to buy that ticket, I don't know how you're going to get them later. Right. So that's a, a way to just gauge if that's even worth pursuing even more rather than just doing the whole entire conference and then nobody comes. Well, the biggest thing in life, Pat, is, is money and time. And you don't, I mean, you can get money back, but you never get the time back ever. So, you know, I've spent a lot of money and a lot of time on stuff that didn't work. And so I'm on a mission to help save a lot of other people time and money who will do the work and get the jobs they want themselves. Um, and I think a key thing that to highlight is you validate, but you also really got to know what you want. Like, do you, is this, you got to do the businesses that you really want because when times are tough, then you'll stick with it. And I've had tough times when I didn't stick with it. I quit. All right. So after the conference, uh, that, that, that's a great answer. I love it. It's sort of like lean startup. Um, we've talked about this before when Dane Maxwell was on the show and, uh, you know, it just makes complete sense. I mean, even pulling back to the four hour work week when he talks about doing tests on AdWords to see if you, people would buy your sailor shirts or I don't even remember what the example yeah. is but you know well, the, the one thing I want to make sure that we, we reiterate for the listeners that you guys can all do this today you could do this right now and you don't need it like the landing page stuff and all the ads is just a distraction it's playing business like if you really want to go sell a ticket it's like call someone on the phone walk down there you don't need a website you don't need a domain you don't need any of that junk right and you actually really find out about that and so then if you find that then you can start saying all right well let me set the date let me set the budget now let me get things moving cuz I know that I can do this. Now my question is when you ask people sometimes hey would you go to this they might say yes but when the push comes to shove and they actually need to pay they won't. How would you make sure that they do? Do you have a system for that? Yeah, I get their money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so called, you actually It's called getting paid. Like that's the thing. Like think about this Pat. How many times have you given someone your business card or they gave you a business card and they're like, "Hey, we should catch up." And they never respond. Uh, at least a thousand. Dude, it happens all the time. I mean, even with women, even with women, like, hey, you know, we should hang out. And then they never respond to my text messages. I'm like, but we, <laughs> we talked. You said you liked me. And so with business, I can say yes to anything, right? But when I have to actually commit money, which I got from using my time, that's when it's serious. Right. And that's when it's actually, oh, wow, these people will want it. If it's something for you, like more of a, like a blog or something, can you get 10 people to give you their email address? Like, say you want to start a blog about passive income. Can you go get 10 email addresses and then email them once a week? And if you can't do that, then you really need to reconsider what you're doing or figure out what's higher on the totem pole. Right. Love that. Validation. That, that's a really important concept. That's not very uh, talked Dude, about very much in this space. 
No, we're going to kill some entrepreneurs with this podcast. Like my goal for this podcast is that everyone takes one action and I'm going to incentivize them at the end to do one action today. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So conference, you know, you did that thing. What was the next venture? What was your next thing I want to do that you did? Yeah. So I did the conferences and then I, I taught business in Korea for two weeks at the summer camp. It was very random. Serious? Thought, yeah, it was very in Jeju That's Island. That's kind of cool. Yeah, this buddy of mine, I mean, sometimes with serendipity, it's amazing. Like, I just started blogging because I wanted to share my thoughts, and I didn't recognize how many people I've been able to meet. I met a guy who was like, I run a summer camp. I want you to come teach. I was like, I, I'm depressed because I was really depressed about Facebook. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go and do this. And so while I was depressed, and I wrote, it's on OK Dork as well, like how I've dealt with depression in the past. And I think for anybody who's struggling, it's, it's a good article to read about how to deal with depression. Is that sort of your home blog, OKDork? Yeah, okay. dot com. Got it. Thank you. How much time do we have, Pat? Dude, we have as much, we have like an hour, over an hour. I mean, whatever, dude, like you're, you're bringing good stuff. So we want to make sure we keep it going. Oh, we're going to, yeah, I want, okay, good, good. I just didn't know if it was a certain time limit. So I'm, I'm depressed and I'm just like hanging out. I don't know what to do. And Dave McClure, um, I met him through the conferences. Uh, Dave said, hey, I got this site called MyMint.com. You should come check it out. And I was mm. like, all right, whatever. So I went and checked out Mint. And there was three people there. And Aaron Patzer, if you don't know him, he's very confident with himself. I'm, I'm being a little tactful. And the thing is that once you know him, you're like, wow, you're an amazing person. But I met him and I was like, whatever. But his product was amazing. And I always joked, it's like, because I'm Jewish, right? It's like, wow, there's, it's a product that helps people with their money. So, of course, I was excited. <laughs> um, but if you don't know what Mint does, it's a free online Quicken. So, you, it doesn't cost anything. It helps, like, the, everybody in the world, the market size is huge. Think about that. Who doesn't want more money, right? Yeah, I use Mint. Exactly. And it, it's just, it's super useful. And so, he showed it to me, and I was like, I have to work here. And I think this will be interesting for your audience. I got rejected from that job. I actually didn't get the job. Um, he was hiring someone to do marketing and I never did marketing before. And I still don't think I'm a great marketer. I, I think I can market things that I really like and, or tell people about things that I really like. And so what I did with Aaron is, and this is what I want to tell your audience is that you have to make things no brainers, no brainers. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to sell someone, you have to make it a no brainer. So there's no way they can say no. So what I did is this with Aaron. I said, look, I didn't even tell him what I was going to do. I showed him. I came back a week later. I spent a full week writing a marketing plan. I don't even know what they're supposed to be. I just made up what I, like, what I thought I should do. Right? And when you're doing marketing, I set my objective. I said, Aaron, we're going to have 100,000 people in a year. That's the objective. And here's everything I'm going to do in 90 days to make that a reality. And if you, you don't have to pay me. I literally spent a week doing this. I brought it to him. Because so many people just tell you, hey, can I go do this? And they're like, whatever. But if you show them, it's easier for them to make that decision. So I showed it to him and I said, you pay me for 90 days, I will execute on it. And if you like it, then you could hire me full time. And if not, you can keep this marketing plan and enjoy yourself. Right? But I basically brought him a plan that was exactly what he would want or even better. I told him I would do it. I said he has no risk in hiring me full time. Mm -hmm. right? And then it, like, if it works out, he's got a great marketing and he didn't have to go hire anyone else. And then what happened? I got the job. So you got to 100,000 in 90 days? Uh, I think we got there, I don't even know how long after we launched, but it was definitely within a short period of time. And Mint went on to sell for $170 million. Yeah, and I so, know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a bad, I didn't actually get a payday. And for the audience, for you guys who are curious how rich I am, um, the majority of my money came through payments for Facebook games and the conferences. Uh, but yeah, so I quit Mint to fulfill my dreams. Now, so, at Mint, just really quick, because I'm really yeah. curious about this marketing plan. Sure. One paragraph about really how did you make that happen? 
Yeah. So fortunately, we were funded, right? Right. So we did. I think the the thing about that though is that the takeaway for people listening is set your garden, plant your garden now. So many people they're like, let me build my product without validating, and then when they finally are ready to launch, which I think is a horrible idea, they're like, where is everyone? Now let me go get everyone, and that's you got to work backwards. You work either backwards or in parallel. Let me work with everyone, make sure it's what they want, and then you go and build it out together like a house. Mm-hmm. And so with Mint, I spent a lot of time before we ever launched uh, meeting with people, doing marketing and stuff like that. So that was very fortunate. In terms of the specific tactics, which I know that's what a lot of people like, yeah. one, SEO. So I hate when people say SEO because it just sounds like, well, how did all these people get this traffic? What we did specifically was we thought, all right, who do we want to reach, which I'll, I'll go into. But if you come through Google, you're more likely to trust this. That's what we realized. If you come through a Google search, you will trust us. Because when you teach someone something, they have a better relationship with them. So specifically for me as a side example is I have a disc golf coach. I pay her to teach me about disc golf. And you know what? Any disc she recommends, I just buy it. Mm-hmm. So if you're teaching people things, they are more likely to trust you and buy things from you and want to do things with you. So we thought if we have a lot of content, we called it a content network that was useful, not just words, that people would then trust us and then subsequently sign it for men. So that was huge, the SEO. So we focused on meeting a lot of people and writing great content, not just content. Secondly, we understood who our customer is. Marketing is fundamentally two things. Who is your customer? Where are they? That's it. That's all you have to do. Like with howtomakeyourfirstdollar.com, if this product works and we can really get people their first business, like I can, the finding the people is the easy part. Yeah. The marketing is easy when your product works. So with Mint specifically, it's like, well, who really wants this product? So who our customer was, was people who read personal finance blogs. They're already reading it. It's like, think about it this way, if people need an analogy. It's like, look at a billboard, and then if you're looking at a billboard, you have to drive home, remember the billboard, get on your computer, not think about dinner, and then get to the billboard. But if you're already on a personal finance blog, and then you read about a personal finance tool, how much easier is that as a connection? So that's number one. Number two, because I worked at Facebook, we thought, we got to do tech geeks. Because think of, if you think about what Mint's getting, they're getting one of the most important data in your life. They're getting your, your you. bank, your credit card, everything, right? Mm-hmm. So what we realized, though, is tech, techies were actually really good at, at giving that stuff up if the benefit was enough. And so we focused on those two. So the second strategy that we kind of implemented was sponsoring niche sites around that. So we went and sponsored. Literally, I made a spreadsheet. It's called Quant-Based Marketing. Um, Quant? Yeah, I'm giving you the link. So you guys can get it. Get the spreadsheet. Go copy it. Cheat. So you're you talking to... about specifically targeting people who are more techie because they'd be more likely to be a participant exactly. and actually use the tool. So exactly. again, it's just knowing who your audience is. It was knowing exactly who our audience was and then where are they, right? So we knew who they were and then I f- found the websites they were on. I literally, it, it's on that spreadsheet. You'll see every list. And then I went and sponsored every single website with like a few hundred dollars. I didn't try to go get these major, major sites like, oh, let's get on Mixergy or let's get on AppSumo. I said, let me just go to the little guys that has a great relationship with his audience. Mm-hmm. You know, like your people love you. They're obsessed with you. So it's like, like even now, like I'm excited to work with someone. I'm not saying you're not a, not a big deal because you are, but like I'd rather work with someone like you who people care versus being on someone like TechCrunch. Right, right. Aaron, and so uh, that was really huge. And I'd say the third thing that, that Mint did really well is we did a lot of research and surveying, which I haven't ever really talked about, but we did a lot of trying to understand who the customer is through surveys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a lot of products, so it's like people would use the product, and we and then we get a lot of feedback before we ever launched. Yeah, again, that's another theme from the uh, the lean startup, which actually I keep bringing that up because I just finished uh, listening to it. So nice, man. 
Thanks. Max, what'd you, what did you take away from it? What's your one? T- I generally think with books, we get one takeaway. Yeah, the big thing is, you know, you don't have to be perfect before you launch. I mean, you shouldn't be. It's actually um, a crutch to try and do everything that you should be doing. And, you know, the minimum viable product is, is huge, MVP. Well, what I was going to suggest to your people is the reason that people are become perfectionists is because they're scared of failing. Right? The reason that people keep listening to you and Mixergy and buying info products, which pitches, pisses me off, is because they're scared of actually doing it and it not working. Right? So one of the things that we've come up with, that, that it, it literally, I can't tell you what you're going to experience, but once your listeners do it, like you, I'm going to say you because the guy who's got this in his ears, once you go do this, it's going to change your life if you're trying to start a business and you haven't had as much success. It's called the coffee challenge. I want you to go to Starbucks and I want you to ask for 10% off. That's it. Then what you do is that you can go to uh, appsuma.com slash high path and submit your information and I'll send you something cool. So that's a little challenge. And even if you don't want to email me, don't email me. I don't care or submit it there. But what you do is go to Starbucks after 10% off and then I, I really just want to know how you feel. I think it's going to be super interesting. So yeah, go to appsuma.com slash high path, but do it for yourself and then see how you feel and it will change your life. Yeah, man, that sort of reminds me of this TED Talk I watched the other day. It's called Surprising Lessons from 100 Days of Rejection um, by a guy named Jia Jiang. And yeah, the Asian kid. Yeah, it was so cool. Like he just, I'll put a link in the, and I'll put it, I'll embed the video. It's, a, it's actually a really inspiring uh, video, so I won't give away what goes on, but I'll, I'll put that in there for everybody because I want to make sure we um, keep moving on. So thank you for sharing all that stuff about Mint, which I know you haven't really done very much. So after Mint, uh, what came next for you? So my, my dream in life, my father was an entrepreneur, and I'm kind of like a bi-engineering business person. My, my stepfather's an engineer. My dad's a sales guy, uh, and, I, and he was an entrepreneur, and I always wanted to run my own business. And so at Mint, I eventually got to a point where there wasn't more for me to learn, and I made a decision to move on. And I didn't just move on. I, I think this is kind of a misnomer with entrepreneurs, and you have to be risky. I'm very risk-averse. I'm, and it, it sounds, I think it's strange for people to actually hear that. I don't like risk. What I like is guarantees. I like things knowing they're going to work. Well, it's sort right, of, so, it sort of goes against what you said earlier about not doing any research because one would think that when you do the research, you're kind of averting the risk. It's just how do you find out, the, how do you reduce risk as quickly as possible? That is my goal. There you go. Yep. That, that's fundamentally what I'm trying to accomplish and I realize that I like to do. So at, while I was at Mint, I didn't just go quit and say, hey, let me just go do stuff and, or let me go research forever, which a lot of people will do. And I'm sure there's people listening that do that. I said, all right, I want to, you know, go work in, I wanted to go work on the beaches of Thailand. So I started making Facebook apps. I saw, I was number 50 when making Facebook apps. And I saw that on the apps, you could put ads really early. I, you know, I was like, oh my God, that's an opportunity. And I think that's a, a red flag. I want to, you know, in retrospect, really teach your audience is that if you're doing businesses about opportunity, I hope they fail. I really do. Cause I don't think you're adding a lot of value to the world. And I don't think you'll be as fulfilled or make as much money as you possibly can. Explain more about that. What do you mean about building a business off of, off of opportunity? So I've had, a few, I've had two businesses, like this, this Facebook games company, and it turned into a Facebook payments company that was fundamentally about making money. It was just like, I want to make money. And every time I've done that, I quit, and, and, and I'm never as fulfilled. I'm never feeling as, damn, I can't wait to work on this tonight. Damn, I love this in the morning. And that's honestly how I want to spend my time. That's why I do how to make my first, how to make your first dollar, and why I do AppSumo. Like that to me is the most fulfilling thing to help people start businesses. Like I, when people reply, when people leave comments today and they said, "Hey, I did this today," after this podcast comes out, 
I literally just feel amazing. I love that. Yeah. No, I, I, I know exactly how you feel. And so with, with Facebook, I, one of the things I want to teach your audience is try to set up some frameworks. If you ever are like not sure how to make a decision, set up a framework. So when I was making the Facebook apps, I didn't just say, oh, I want to make Facebook apps. This seems cool. I went and I created a framework and I said, well, what's, let me look at all the categories. Let me find the category with the least amount of competition. And then let me literally just copy the most popular one within that. Right? So instead of just saying, let me just kind of nilly-willy do it, set up a criteria system. So maybe three things or two things of what's important when you're trying to do something. And it'll help you make decisions easier. And so the app that I copied was a soccer app called Soccer Fan. And I, and I think the first app was called Hockey Fan. I used, a guy in the, I used a guy in the Philippines. And I have a guy in India, in Pakistan, if anyone needs him. Uh, if you email me, I will send you his information. He's 12 bucks an hour. And so I used him and I used a guy in India to collect team logos. And the app literally just put a team logo on the person's profile. And the reason I chose that was besides that it was the, you know, the, the category of the least amount of competition, I knew I could monetize it through Amazon Affiliate. I knew I could link to the team's section on Amazon and then I would make money. Okay. And how did so that did, go? It went really well. So the app got a million installs in the first week. Gee. Uh, yeah, it's pretty nuts. You know, I'm at, I'm at Mint working and I literally run upstairs. I'm calling Rackspace and, or whoever, Linode, and I'm like, you know, I'm up at night doing this. You know, it's a little bit of a rush. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it was definitely intense. And so it got to a point where I wasn't learning at, at Mint. I then created hockey fan, basketball fan, baseball fan, football fan. I never created soccer fan. I didn't want to, I, I respected the guy I copied. Um, and then it got to a point where I, like, literally people were trying to buy the company. I had an offer for 100000 and I stupidly turned that down, which at the time made sense. Um, and I quit Mint to go work on this business full time. But you had said earlier that you don't want to do businesses for the opportunity of just money. And so. Yeah, exactly. In retrospect. But at that time, it just seemed like the, I was like, I want to have a business. This is working. Let's go do this. This is only after doing this kind of stuff. I can then share that message with other people. Right. Okay. So you get, you get this offer, you turn it down. The business is going well. You have all these sport apps that put the pictures of the teams on the profiles. You're getting millions of installs. You're monetizing through Amazon for a little bit. And what was it just, you weren't fulfilled and you turned to something else or was there something that happened that kind of made you move on? The story is pretty crazy. I mean, I hired two developers. I think we, at our peak, doing like forty, fifty thousand a month from those Facebook games. And my goal dollars, was, yeah, wow. I think in profit, forty, fifty thousand a month in profit. And uh, you know, my goal was always to go work abroad. I wanted to, you know, go work abroad on this business. And I took on one hundred fifty thousand uh, in investment from Naval Ravikant, who runs AngelList. And I ended up moving to Argentina. So I took the business and went to Argentina. Uh, and while I was there, I went, I went through a quarter-life crisis. And I realized, like, this is part of you know, my maturity and growth, where I was like, I don't really want to make Facebook games. I don't really care about any of these customers. I don't care about doing this. And so I stopped working. And I, I, just, I drank wine. Tim Ferriss came down and hung out, uh, did, learned tango, went to Carnival, went to like Mendoza. And the, the, the good and bad of it, though, was that my business partners at that time were like, Yo, dude, what, what the hell is going on? We're still running a business. And I was just kind of not interested in doing that business. And so they literally said, either you get back to work, like come back home, get back to work, or just quit. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Um, so it was just easier to kind of go back to work. What do, you think, what do you think happened that, I mean, you stopped caring about the customers? I mean, I know on Facebook, if you have apps, it's, you know, you don't really know who the customer is. But I mean, your, your business partners and your investors, I mean, um, 
what was going through your head? What was going through my head? I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy making games for people that I didn't care that were using it. It wasn't something that like I wanted to see in the world. Like kind of coming back to the conferences or Mint or the bookstore. I've never really connected all these dots, Pat. Um, that's interesting. But yeah, I wasn't working on something that was really fulfilling me and making me feel satisfied to work on it. So eventually, I guess it, my body or my mind recognized that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it said, pause, go think about what you want to do. And I, I didn't really figure it out. And I, I realized that there's no purpose. It's, well, that's another question or another story. But the point was that I was like, I don't know what to do, so I'll just take the easy road. And I think when, uh, a big realization I've had lately is that when people are unhappy, it's because they're not doing what they really want or they're distracting themselves with other activities. And, and I'm honestly, I think I'm at the happiest point in my life now in this moment. And that's really because I'm, I'm talking with you and I was, I was very nervous and I was excited to talk to you and share this with your listeners. And I'm working on something like this, how to make your first dollar. I, I love it. I love seeing people get their businesses that they want. Um, the relationships with people I have, it's exactly what I want. It's with the people I want. I've cut out the people I don't want. And, uh, and it's really put me in, in a happier life. So, you know, I came back to work in America and the business was doing okay, but it wasn't really working. And so I'm trying to think of more of the stuff that people can take away. So we ended up, it's not working. So we're like, well, let's try to, this is one of the things, um, a bigger story. So we ended up trying to make a sports betting website. So we had all these sports users. We're like, let's do sports betting. Of course Mm -hmm. that'll work. And, um, you know, the two biggest takeaways from that is that we spent six months building it. We spent probably $100,000. We paid for the number one Vegas sports lawyer. Um, And then when we finally launched, uh, there's three things. One, I was so happy that it failed. So when we launched, no one came, right? So that's like, I'm starting to realize, oh, wow, this is why validation is important. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, come on, bro. I don't, <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> that's, that's where I got today. I still make mistakes. I made a huge mistake oh, yesterday. Oh, we all do. We all do. Um, I think everyone makes mistakes. I don't know if everyone learns from their mistakes. That's the key thing. And so that was number one, is that we didn't validate it. We didn't you know, make sure that people really wanted it ahead of time. And I can talk about you know, how would I have done that. Secondly, I was with partners that I didn't really want to be with. They were great guys, but actually working with them, they didn't respect me. And so I was always kind of like, damn, I actually hoped the business would fail. Right? And that's the third thing. Is like I, again, was working on a sports betting site. I don't do sports, and I don't bet. Right? Can you imagine doing that for six months? I was just like, oh my god, yes, it's failing. Yeah, yeah. And so another key takeaway that, that I want to encourage your audience is that you got to listen. You've got to listen and then internalize and do stuff, right? So when we were doing the sports betting stuff, we were listening to our customers, we were listening to the market, and we noticed that payments for these sports games, like these virtual Facebook games, sucked. And that's a really key thing in business. Is, you know, I'm talking, I talked to a guy, Joel, earlier today, who's trying to sell mobile A-B testing to companies, and it's really hard for him to sell. Because no one wants it. But if he actually listened to what they really wanted, and we can maybe do it, we can do even like a um, practice so people can get an idea of what to, how to ask. Mm-hmm. Like if he actually listened, he would get there. And he would get something that's high on their totem pole and get them to give them their money a lot quicker than the months it's taking him. And so we ended up creating payments for Facebook games. Because we're like, we suck at making games. It's not working. Let's try the payments because those games like it's working. Uh, so over the weekend, we created the, uh, it was called Gambit, and it was a payment system for Facebook games. That was you? I didn't know that was you. Yeah, I found a Gambit. Wow. You've heard of it? Yeah, I have heard of it, actually. Yeah, I mean, we pa- at the end of it, all being said and done, we did $28 million in our first year. 
And our second year, we're on a run rate of $50 million. And there's an unhappy ending for, I don't know, if you guys like the bad ending like Hollywood, I'll give it to you. Um, <laughs> we don't want people to fail, but we will learn from other people's failures, for sure. I want people to fail if it makes them better. I really do. I've, there, we've, it's been blowing my mind, the, the coffee challenge, about how much it helps people. But coming back to the story, so uh, the key thing was is it worked right away. We were listening to what was kind of going on in the market, and then we launched it, and literally we were profitable the first week. And it was like, all we have to do is listen to the customers, treat them well, and people will use us. And so you know, we, we blew up right away. It was, it was just like, wow, this is what actually people wanted. And then? <laughs> no, and then. Have you heard that, that joke? No, and then. <laughs> no, and then. <laughs> so, uh, where, I, where is that from? Like, what is that from? Someone in the comments answer that guy. Don't, let's not spoil it. I want someone to figure that out. I will pay you a dollar. I will pay you a dollar. Just figure out that comment. And so we're doing this payment stuff and a few big realizations. One, uh, we weren't high on people's totem pole. Like no company wakes up and says, and the totem pole and everything I kind of talk about now, it's from all these experiences. So we literally, we had Disney, we had Playdom, we had Tagged, we had Area Games. Like we had uh, Zynga. We had every single large company. And I would go to them. I would, you know, I'd send them, I can tell you some secrets about sending things to people to get their attention. And if it, I'd ask them though, they would, they would, like every morning they never woke up thinking about us. Like if we were gone, they would just be just as okay. They would replace us with our competitor. And it, that kind of, that's what really led me to AppSumo where I was like, man, I got to figure out what's more important to people when I'm doing my next business instead of just being kind of a nice to have. Mm-hmm. And that's where AppSumo came, out, came about? That, that is. That is exactly. Um, I'm going to give a quick hack. So if you're trying to meet people, spend five minutes to study them. I wanted to meet Greg Seng from Tagged and I found out he was a runner. And so I mailed him a monthly running subscription. So every month he gets a magazine from me. And I bought him running shoes just to have a meeting with me, right? And it, that ended up making us a few hundred thousand dollars in profit when he finally signed up with us. But most people just send a cheap email and they get a cheap response or none at all. But if they spent the time to invest in meeting other people, they'll actually get a really good investment return. No, absolutely. I mean, the law of reciprocity is, is at play there for sure. Um, and also the fact that not everybody else is going to do that. No one does it. Pat, the bar, this is like, <laughs> like if you, like, let me give you an example with, apps, uh, with the how to make your first dollar. Dot com. We literally email every single customer who buys it. Still, can we automate it? Yes. Or will we? No. And it's such a little thing. But we love what we're doing and it's fun to do that. And people remember that. But everyone else is like, let me just automate this. I want to go and pull back a little bit sure to AppSumo. And yeah. where did that idea come from? How did you get it all on board? And, and yeah, let's yeah. just start there. Well, so again, I was risk averse. So the Facebook payments company, um, we got you were at our second year, fifty million dollar run rate. We peaked out at four million dollars a year, four million dollars a month, and then literally in the same week, we got banned by Facebook and the largest competitor, OfferPal, who's funded with thirty million dollars, sued us. Same week, that's called the best week ever. <laughs> and you know what? I was happy. I was like, maybe this company's ending because, I, again, I didn't want to do payments. It was I didn't want to do games. It not it wasn't something I woke up wanting to do. Did you and just I'm, feel like you were kind of stuck there and it was, you know, because the money was coming in, you sort of just had to keep going with it for a while? I, yeah, I always joke that the more money I made, the less happy I got. And at the same time, this is a problem that a lot of people face. It's, it was a good distraction. It's like exciting, right? It's like this high that you have to keep going back and getting. But when the high finally goes away and you look around, you're like, damn, I don't really like this. I don't really like this job. I don't really like these people. I don't like these customers. And obviously, there's going to be bad days that you have to go through. But if you're doing stuff you like, it's much easier to get through them. Right. And so, again, being risk averse, I got a consulting gig with speeddate.com. 
and I did product for them. So I helped them figure out how their homepage should work, some A-B tests. And so once I got that, it was, and they were paying me a lot of money, $150 an hour, which I thought was like stupid. Um, and that's actually a problem a lot of people, people face, but how much to charge for themselves. But once I had that gig, I was like, all right, screw this company. I'll let these partners who I haven't been getting along with, let them go do it. And I can go finally be respected and, and do something that I want to do. So they took care of all the legal stuff. You didn't have to deal with that after. No, I did deal with the the lawsuit. We settled it, and then uh, with Facebook, we just stayed banned. And I, you know, I stayed on for a little bit longer, and then I transitioned out. Right. And we're, and we're actually friends now, and they're still around. It's called V11 Media, um, and I think they're actually still making millions of dollars. And I own twenty percent. Uh, that is still made up money. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I think there's some lessons there as far as relying on another platform when they can just all of a sudden ban you the next day. I mean, that's that that's not really how you create a long-term business when it's in the hands of somebody else you think right that's critical pat you know it's i think people don't recognize it's like how can you control the outcome like the quant-based marketing sheet how can i control the amount of marketing and the success i will have instead of oh i hope this works and when you play in someone else's sandbox they're going to make the rules and facebook did that right so i did the consulting for for speed date and then i toyed around with a few different ideas one of them was like it's called fishbowl I always thought it was strange that people work so hard to get customers in the restaurants that they never collect their emails or anything to get them to come back. So I was going to literally put fish bowls in restaurants and say, give us your email and we'll email you. Um, and then I would manage the emails and all that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't really explore that too much further. It's a pretty um, cool idea. It will work. Someone should go do that. Someone, it'll work for sure. Well, they can go validate it and then see if it works. The customers will, tell, the customers will always tell the truth. They will tell the truth. So I basically noticed a few patterns. Um, I was listening, right? And I, generally, I'm not a, a visionary or futurist. I'm like a six-monthist. And so I noticed clearly that um, you know, Dropbox is really popular. Mm-hmm. That was number one. I saw that Mac Heist was working. Mac Heist was huge for Mac apps. And I was like, well, there's Mac apps, but there's not really Mac Heist for web apps. And so that's what I looked to create. It was not actually, a lot of people you know, have labeled us in the past as Groupon, but it was, it was to copy. I was making Mac Heist. Huh, I've never heard of Mac Heist. What they do is they bundle like 10 Mac apps and then they sell it for a discount. Ah, so that's where you got the inspiration for AppSumo, which if you want to explain really quick what AppSumo does to people who don't know, that'd be awesome. Yeah, AppSumo.com is a free weekly newsletter promoting cool stuff. And you could buy that stuff. Oh, yes. If you want to buy things, that's totally up to you. But we try to make every email valuable whether you buy or not. And generally the audience is entrepreneurs or people starting or running businesses. Yeah, and then, and I'm on the email list. The email list is great and it's actually really entertaining too. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, SPI friends on, you know, getting promoted through AppSumo, like Derek oh, Halpern and, and uh, Lewis House and, and people. Oh, like that's that. cool. Yeah, those guys have done well. It's, it's, it's really nice. I, you know, we, with AppSumo, we've struggled too, and I can, I'll get to that. Um, and, you know, it was funny. It was when I started focusing on the money and not why I started AppSumo that we actually started losing, I would say, quote unquote. But I basically had this idea of like, all right, Mac Heist for web apps, like bundle web apps, sell them. And so I wanted to validate it. So how I validated it very specifically is I, I literally Googled for a front-end PHP code. I Googled how front-end registration code. I found the, this Pakistan team for 12 bucks an hour, and I said, I need you to connect this front-end code that I just found to PayPal. And I, I did the front-end code. And so I had them do that. Then I was like, well, I need a product to try to sell and see if people actually want this. And so my hypothesis was if I can sell 200 of a product, then I will explore this business further. So I'm a big Redditor. Are you a Redditor? I'm not a Redditor, but I, I know it's this pretty much the center of all the internet. It's the internet, literally. Uh, no, it's not literally. 
But don't don't go on there, Pat. Because once you go, you never come back. <laughs> it's just like you're like sweating in your boxers. You're just like, what just happened here? <laughs> uh, but I was a I'm a redditor, and I noticed on Reddit a lot of people host their photos on Imgur, I M G U R. And so I was like, these guys are already doing it. And then Imgur, you know, conveniently enough, had a pro plan. And so I literally just cold emailed him. I said, hey, you're selling it for twenty five. Let me go sell them for seven. And or let me go sell them, and I'll pay you seven dollars for everyone I sell. And there, I mean, there's no risk for him. He's like, all right, you're just going to give me free money, sure. And so I then I, so I had the product now, and I worked backwards. I said, all right, there's already a market of people who want this, and now I have the product for them. And so how I got Reddit to do it was I one bought ads, but more importantly, um, I built a relationship with Reddit directly. So it, it, it sounds so stupid or trivial, but I literally um, got an introduction to someone there, and I took him out for breakfast. And this is kind of a neat story where you know we're, we're out for breakfast, and I said, "Hey, I'm, here's what I'm doing. Um, I'd love to see if you can help." And he's like, "Sure, we'll give you free ads." Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't ask. That's why the coffee challenge is, is really powerful. And so I, we got the free ads. We got on Reddit, and it ended up selling a few hundred, few hundred. So I was like, "All right, we're onto something." So how did that work? That was that was a premium version of Imager you were selling, right? Exactly, Imager Pro. And the fascinating thing was, like a month later, I went back to Reddit and I was like, "Yo, bro." Hook me up with those ads again. I wanted that juice. And uh, he put me in touch with his ad manager. And the ad manager was like, oh, that's $10,000. Uh, wow. So just because I got to know him and I was nice and I asked for something, um, I was able to get it. That's something that was normally a $10,000 thing. Right. Okay. I'm still, I'm still trying to put together how that promotion worked. Yeah. Um, so what happens is on Reddit, we, bought, we got ads for free. And on the product side, normally it sells for $25. But if you bought it through me, uh-huh. um, we could sell it for, I sold it for 10, right? So, and then I paid Alan from Inger seven. So I made $3 on every single one. So it sold for 25 normally. But we sold it as a special price, kind of like Groupon. So we sold it for 10 oh, okay. instead of 25 and we gave him seven. And the, the key thing that AppSumo that I realized as I was doing it was like, wow, people suck at marketing. But, you know, hey, guess what? I've done marketing at mint.com and I'm pretty good at it. So I can just do marketing for companies. And I can bring them. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, keep going. Well, what I was going to say is that the big takeaway from my last business that's really relevant here is that every single company in the world, their number one problem is customers. So I was like, this is a huge problem for people that if I can solve it, it's a good opportunity. And every company that I contacted, I started contacting subsequently, was like, you're going to give me new customers. It doesn't cost me any money. And you're going to pay me? Like, this is the greatest deal I've ever heard of. Right. So for Imager, their yep. benefit was the fact that you would be putting their product in front of people who they probably would have never been able to put in front of anyway. Exactly. So, I mean, he could spend time working on his product, but for him, he wasn't selling it that much. And I was like, well, let me go buy ads. And I tried other ways too, but the ads is what worked really well for that, that specific example. Right. And then the and lower so, price point for him, you know, selling it for 10 instead of the normal 25, um, again, getting new customers on board, they're not just going to pay 10 bucks and that's it. That's the last of them. They're going to be in your system, in your email, and you'd have the opportunity to sell them maybe super premium or something. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's actually less about that. It's more that it's a digital product, so there's no cost. So that $7 is like, you know, 50 cents in server costs, and the rest is pure profit. Gotcha, right. So unlike Groupon, where they have like, you know, the restaurants, the stores, and food, and blah, 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 this is all profit for him. And so he's like, you're just going to give me free money? Yeah, sign me up. Right, and then you take a cut. Yeah, exactly. We take three. We took, I think, you know, $3, or maybe a little more, maybe a little less. But the, the key thing for the listening audience is like, I didn't go out and spend a month, right? Think about, I know this, Pat, your listeners have spent a month building. We're waiting for design. I'm waiting for development. And that's kind of the thing. I think I did it in a weekend or two weeks max to actually make that a reality. And so that validated 
exactly. your, your business model. And then where'd you go from there? Did you just look for cool web apps and say, hey, you want to be a part of this deal? Uh, so yeah, we actually, I worked backwards from who has traffic that I want and I wanted to be on Lifehacker. And so I went in and looked through all their most popular posts and I found the most popular products that are on Lifehacker. It's the same thing I did on this podcast, Pat. I went and looked at your top two podcasts. I went and read every single comment. I went and read every, the whole, you know, half, one and a half of the transcripts. And then I figured out what kind of content is actually the most relevant for your audience so that I can make this the most popular show ever. Mm. It wasn't like, oh, I hope this will be the most popular show. I said, all right, because a lot of your people want to talk about inspiration. So I'm talking about my failures. I'm talking about my good stuff. I didn't just go, like, let me just go randomly talk about things. I spent time researching this. Yeah, so you did do research. I have a whole sheet of it. If I, you want me to send it to you? Okay. Because in the beginning, you said to not do research. There's a lot. There's something with you and me and research, Pat, that we're... we're <laughs> I'm not saying that research is bad. What I'm saying is that I don't want people to be paralyzed by research. Okay, there we go. I think that's what we wanted to hear. Yeah, so here is all my... I'm just going to paste it for you in the chat so that you have it. Sorry, if you, you, you said that at the beginning and I've just been hooked on that because I was just like still a little surprised. But I think you just clarified exactly... Uh, uh, what you needed to, to clarify for everybody. So I literally, you can see the notes. I, I went and like highlighted what themes people kept talking about. And so that's the same reason why like I think your listeners are like, wow, this Noah guy's kind of interesting because I listened to what the audience actually wants. Right. So I went to Lifehacker and said, these are the products they actually want. And I said, I emailed them before I got it. I said, hey, I'm going to go get these products. You know, would you be interested in promoting it? And they're like, well, you can't guarantee it, but yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, we will. You're doing the right research. Just like how you did research for the show, you listened to the most popular ones, you read the comments for these, you didn't go listen to every single podcast, just like how you chose specifically Lifehacker to go to and the most popular post. I think that's really smart. Yeah, I have, that was my one a day, Pat. That's all I get. Um, my one good idea of the day. And so, yeah, with Lifehacker, ended up launching it. It was Evernote, Remember the Milk, and a few of their other products. And Lifehacker wrote about it. We sold a few hundred more. And I was like, all right, we're onto something. And so then I actually left for Europe from San Francisco and I you know, started selling products, uh, digital web products, about once every other week or whenever I felt like it. And how's the business been doing? So it's been interesting. We've been doing three years and I think part of my problem is I am impatient, which makes me successful, but it also hurts me where I'm not uh, as longer term in certain decisions. And so in 2001, I'll share some of our revenue. Uh, 2001, we did $700,000. And I, I kind of always hesitate sharing money because that's, that, I'd say before, was some of the goal. But I'm already kind of rich. <laughs> and that actually is really powerful because now I don't really need the money. I just do what I want, which is how to make your first dollar. I really, that fulfills me big time. Um, and not just people signing up. I don't want the money. It's actually them signing up, doing the work, and getting the result they want. Mm-hmm. Um, Why not so, give it away for free then? Oh, I knew you were going to ask it. And I thought about that myself. I said, why not just make it for free? And it blew my mind. Pat, I would give it away for free in a heartbeat. But why do you think I don't give it away for free? Because people who get things for free don't take action. Oh, man, I was going to swear. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it pisses me off. Yeah, you know, I no, it's so true. Well, because like, I, I learned it. You have to look, And this is what I've realized through helping people with their businesses. I can't tell them exactly. I can tell them the blueprint. I can hold them accountable, which we do on both of those things. We actually hold people accountable to what they want. But they have to learn themselves. And so I learned that free thing myself when I started giving some of the free AppSumo products away. Like we promote, um, you know, LinkedIn Premium or some product. And my friend was like, I'd really like that. I gave it to him for free. Two weeks later, I checked in with him. I was like, yo, bro, what's going on? How, how did that work out? Nothing, Pat. Right? And, it th- you know, think about how many blog posts you read. I think about how many, like, uh, you know, e- PDF ebooks you've gotten. How, you, don't, you prioritize those a lot less than something you have actually invested in. 
And so that's, it. and I noticed that, like I would go talk to people. I talked to students at UT Austin last week. They didn't have to pay for me to come. They, they didn't even hardly know who I was. And I asked them at the end of class, I was like, all right, what are you going to do today? And all of them were like, I'm going to get high. Uh, I'm going to go to a bar. And I was like, I'm not going to do this again. Or I'm going to have to reevaluate it. Mm-hmm. Because I want, you know, for me, my fulfillment is that people get the results. Um, so that's why I don't make it free. And the $300 price point, it's, a, it's about a buck a day. And so I thought that was fair. That's what, and I, I think if we're actually guaranteed, and I can't guarantee that we'll make your business super successful, but we do guarantee you get your business going. Like, th- that's the cheapest thing I've ever heard. And I don't like the word cheap, but that's the most affordable thing I've ever heard of. So what's, so. what's the basis behind, what, what's the kind of theory behind the way that, that you guys have run your course, um, you know, versus all the other courses out there? What makes it different? Well, let me tell you how we got there. And I think that's more important necessarily than just the end result. And I think when people are doing things, they need to understand the why. So in 2012, we did multi-multi-million dollars. And I was very greedy. Um, it was very egocentric. Um, I moved the business around in a lot of different ways. I hired 16 people. I got a big office in Austin, Texas. And I was very like, I, I honestly didn't even know what we were promoting anymore. I just looked at the daily revenue numbers. And, and then I, I, I was depressed. Pat. I was depressed most of last year for nine months. And uh, I started exploring, all right, well, what did I really start AppSumo for? Why did I do this? And I really did it because I love promoting cool stuff. And, I was, and all I was doing before was promoting cool stuff. But I created this monster where I had to keep feeding it. And you know, the funny, one of the funny stories was I was talking to my partner, Chad, who's the most amazing person in the world. One of the most amazing people in the world. Not trying to be too hyperbolic. Um, I talked to him and you know, in passing, I said, man, we should fire everyone and just go back to what we were doing in the beginning. And, um, and, Chad, and he was like, oh, that's funny. And then literally five months later, that's what we did. You know, we cut our revenue in half. We fired ten people. We stopped emailing, uh, and it was a really—it was hard, but it was—it was a huge thing. Of all right, this is what I actually wanted to be doing all along. So that was a. Uh, sometimes the money gets distracting for me. Yeah, I think that's something that's pretty common with not just you, Noah, but a lot of people. Just once the money starts coming in, then they feel like they, they have to keep growing and growing and growing, and then they forget sort of where they came from or why they are doing that in the first place. Dude, that why is, is gigantic, man. The why is just so huge about why do, what do I really, that's why I'm like, people should do what they really want for business and not just something that's an opportunity. Like I, I can tell you like this. Andrew Warner of Mixergy, he likes this. Yeah. Right? And, and that's why there's stuff, you guys, you guys stick with it and you're consistent and you make it happen. Um, what would so, be, based on your experience with all your failures, what would be your top two tips for people to make sure they don't go down that path, that they stick with remembering where they came from. Because, I mean, I, I don't think you purposely forgot where you came from and, and, you know, wanted to go down this path, but you did it and you did it a couple times. What, what, what could people take away from your experience? That's a deep question. No, it's a great question, man. It's a great question. It's like, how do I not keep repeating it? So I think one self-awareness Right, which is a kind of a cliche answer because it's not as like meaty, but it is very powerful. So I've become much more self-aware, and I've recognized that when I start focusing on money, I become less happy. Like I got, I'm speaking in in Arizona tomorrow. I'm doing a workshop for people starting businesses, and somebody emailed me. He's like, "Dude, you're only charging I think fifteen dollars." He's like, "Why aren't you charging more?" And the greedy Noah comes out and is like, "Yeah, yeah, money more." And then I stopped and I was like, all right, let's think about this. And I said, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm only asking for money so that it filters out all the freeloaders who won't do anything. And so the self-awareness is really powerful. And then secondly, 
I think you need to have a support system around you who will keep you in check. And so for me, it's my partner, Chad, who I actually fired in the beginning of the business of AppSumo. Um, him, and then also I go to a therapist now, which is I'm trying to make it less taboo for other people because I found that to be insanely helpful. That once a week I go and talk to someone completely unbiased that gives me feedback of, and his, he knows what I want, or you know, he helps me explore what I want and gives me feedback on that. Mm-hmm. So I'd say you know, understanding yourself and then knowing what you want uh, with the support team around you is, is probably the two things I would say to help uh, stay true to what you really want. And, and be open, I'd say third bonus is that some things change. Like things I used to like back in the day, I used to like cooking a few, like last year. Now I haven't liked cooking. So it's okay that things change, but just try to be aware of this is what you really want. Love it. Awesome, man. That's some deep stuff. And, you know, we covered a lot and we just hit the hour. We had talked a while ago about your course and you had me go through it. And then again, I was really interested just because I know kind of the type of person you are and I knew you'd approach it differently. And again, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. You said that you're going to kind of hook maybe one or two people up who are listening or who might be reading the show notes? Yeah, how can they earn it though? And I, I, the thing is, I want everyone to do something today. So I was thinking we could do something fun, Pat. Okay. Um, I was thinking if, if your most commented show is three is 232 comments. I could be wrong. Uh, you're close. I mean, it's probably going to grow a little bit just because it's so popular. So right. what's the challenge? So here's what we're going to do. If we can get 300 comments of what people are doing today on this show, on on smartpassiveincome.com, I was thinking I, I could do something crazy. Because for me, I don't want to incentivize them with money. Um, I think if people don't pay for how to make your first dollar, they actually may not do anything with it, and that, that's just no good. Mm. But if we can do the comments, I'll do something crazy, and at least these people took some action to make their lives a little bit better. Okay, so if we get to 300 comments on this particular post, and you'll get the link to the show notes afterwards, so if you're listening to this in the car, gym, or on a walk, or wherever, you can go there on your smartphone or when you get home. Um, what are we going to have people comment on? I know I don't just want them to say, hey, what's no, up? No, no. It, yeah, yo, bro. No, so, well, here's my idea. I think I mean, maybe we can bounce it off each other. I was thinking it'd be really fun, uh, and that's a good way to understand if you're doing something you like. Is this fun for me? I want people to comment what they're going to do today. Like, if they want to start a business, what are they going to do today? If they want to do something better in their job, what, can they, what, did, what did they do today? Can you or do? Just do something today and leave a comment what you did. And if we can get 300 comments, then I will streak naked. No, I don't know if that's something that people would want, you know. Oh, that's actually, see, Pat, right there. That was great. Now let's iterate. Let's learn from that. (laughs) Knowing knowing your listeners, though, what do you think they would really want? That was great, Pat. Something to help them with their online business, some formulas or templates or something hidden that nobody else has yet. Uh, That's not even that good either. Yeah, that's the thing. That's not that fun. I'm, well, I was thinking like, you know, I could give money to like Facebook ads. I could do, you know, I could have them come. I could fly them to Austin. Do you want to fly one person to Austin and we'll personally work with them for a full day? Oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, if it's, a, if that, I mean, I'm, I won't be able to go, but if you're down do you, for Hold that, on, can we pay for you to come with them? Uh, I can't travel the rest and of the And then year. you're like the baby. What if we paid for your wife, kid, and you, and this person? And I can't, I'm not going to babysit you all day, but all y'all <laughs> can hang out in the office and we'll treat you to lunch. And we'll pay for the flights. That's cool. Okay, how about... You'll select somebody out of the 300 plus uh, whenever that happens and we'll have something cool for them. Sort of like that, you know, fly out or whatever. We'll do something cool. Let's do the flight. You think they would like that? Sure. So I will fly anyone in the world to AppSumo. You can work with us for the day and I'll buy you lunch. There we go. And then if I, if I, for some reason, have an opening in my schedule, no, I'd be happy to come down to you. Dude, that'd be fun, man. Have you been to Austin? 
No, I haven't, but I hear it's amazing and it's a really clean town and that uh, the people are cool and the, the, the art and the culture. I just, I need to go. You do. Pat, can I, can I end this with something that'll be helpful for your audience and, and helpful for me? Yeah, let's do it. So how can I make this the best podcast ever? Or is there any reason, let me actually rephrase that. Is there any reason this wouldn't be your most popular podcast ever? Well, if I kept all the swear words in there, no, it wouldn't be. <laughs> okay, so, okay, but this, see, this is what people do. When you're trying to sell your customers, is there any reason you wouldn't want to buy from me today? Is there anything holding you back? All right, so swear words one, so you, can you handle taking out all the swear words? Yeah, I've already taken them all out for people listening. Perfect, what else do we have? What, is there anything else we can make this one? So this is what I'm trying to encourage the audience as well. What can you learn from your customers? I mean, you've provided a little bit of actionable stuff, like what they can do now. Like stat, like that. That's what a, a lot of my audience loves. I mean, they get a lot of the motivation from from people, and people have gotten a lot of motiva- motivation from you, learning from your mistakes and failures and everything you've done right. But what what are like tactical things? Like we talked about earlier, and you had you had even said yourself, people like the tactical things. Maybe so. Couple- what kind of tactical? Yeah, sure. See, I love this. this is great. What kind of re- related to what marketing? Uh, yeah, uh, let me let me think. Because back on Dane's podcast, which for those of you listening, that that one was the most popular one, episode forty six. He had given. Anyway, so many tactical, specifically um, idea hunting sort of phrases to use in emails, which a lot of people jived with, you know, specific things they could put in emails to find niches and find holes in markets and find people's pains. Okay. So would that, if can I do some tactical stuff around that and you think that would make this even more valuable? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. That's great. So I'm going to go through, uh, I'll do 10 different ways to figure out ideas that if you're not sure of what you want to do. Awesome. Yeah. Perfect. So here's number one, Google hate. So pick a product that you hate and see what people are talking about it. And then you can actually figure out ideas for their business. Like, wow. Cause when we started mint, I looked up Quicken sucks, Quicken hate, Quicken die. And I was able to figure out people to work with and then new ideas for mint. Secondly, Craigslist gigs. I mentioned it earlier. Go to Craigslist gigs. These people are already saying, I have money. They already have money and they want to give it to you. So just go to the word people are already saying they have money. Number three, teacher. How could, if you were going to stand up in front of a room right now today, you, the listener, what would you teach someone that you're an expert in? What would you, and, well, I'm not an expert. What would you teach someone that you actually know really comfortably, right? Would it be creme brulee? Like me, it would be tacos or starting a business. And that's what I actually do. So what would you teach? The interview method, right? There, you know, you guys don't need to worry about the exact words. Like that's the, kind of the easy stuff. But go interview people who have money, right? Go interview the local restaurant guy. T- listen to what his problems are. And I, what I ask him is, if I was a magic genie, what would be your largest challenge? What's your number one challenge today? Right? And then you have to actually listen to see what his real challenge is, because a lot of times they won't tell you the real answer. And you just have to keep listening. Uh, a few other ones, we'll just keep going. Sure. Kick, kickstarting, go to Kickstarter and see everything getting funded. See everything not getting funded. That's a very easy way to see what people are already wanting to give money for. Yeah, I would definitely get into like the 3D printing business. Uh, I mean, you could validate 3D printing. We can talk about that. But go to Kickstarter. See what's already getting money. That's a lot easier than the ones that are not getting funded. Uh, Two more. One, ads. Ads are companies that are already spending money. They're already spending money. So is there a way you can complement ads on Facebook or Google or on like some random site? Or is there something that you could create competitively against them? Those people are already spending money. And is there something of value that you can help create for them? And the last one that I would say is what did you do last weekend? If you're not sure of what business to start, literally write down every single hour of both Saturday and Sunday and say, what did I do this weekend? And that will exactly tell you things that you like to do. And then you can maybe explore starting a business around that. 
So those are about eight or nine ways that uh, of how to create ideas for starting a business. Yeah, that's cool, man. Okay, I'm going to get greedy and ask you. Yeah, let's do more. Dude, this, I wanna, I, I'm telling you, I want this to be the best one ever. And if they want more tactics, I, will, I should have just cut out all the emotional stuff. <laughs> no, that stuff's important too. And it's really good to get to know you personally, Noah. So again, thank you for sharing all that stuff. Now, let's say you have a business, a business up and running already or a blog. Mm-hmm. How would you grow? Let, let's just talk about your blog. You think that'd be interesting? I think that'd be more interesting for the listeners. Sure. So the number one thing that people miss out on is objective. So, Pat, what is your objective right now? And, this is, and the reason that it's so important even though it sounds cliche, is that how it's like you don't like if you're driving, you don't know where your, your destination is. How do you know when you're going to get there? How do you find the best path to get there? Right. So if, once you've got some validation, you need to figure out what's my objective next. So, you know, in terms of growth, Pat, what are you trying to accomplish? Well, really, and, and just, excuse me. Oh, go ahead. Also, it should be a medium to short time frame. So I would say it's April. I would go to May and say by the end of May, what do you want to be at? As far as numbers? Yeah. So is it revenue or is it growth? Like what's, it, what's your objective? Literally, it's thank you emails and thank you letters, handwritten letters. Every time I go to, the, to my inbox at UPS, I want to get five to ten and I go every couple weeks. And so far it's happening. Okay. So how many do you want to have by the end of May? By the end of May, what's, what's it right now? It's uh, the end of April. So about a month, I want to get at least 40. At least 40? Yeah. Okay. And how many are you at now? I'm getting about 25 per month. Getting about 25 per month. So here's exactly what I would do, right? And this is how I do marketing. I literally have that objective. I go to a Google spreadsheet and I'll go through different marketing tactics because I think that's probably what your people want to hear and not about, I think the thank you is a little less relevant for them, but it's very important because that's what you want 